The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Your name be released. Let the power of your presence come upon us. Lord, we seek your face. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Can you you take your seats, please? He is worthy of praise. Last week, we were looking at finishing the race. We were looking at the things that Jesus had done. We've been talking over several weeks about the mission of Jesus. And we got to that point last week where we were hearing Jesus said, it is finished. There on the cross... He had come to the end of all that was necessary for him to accomplish. He had finished it utterly. He bowed his head and he died because he had completed everything that needed to be done. But as we were celebrating last week, he didn't stay dead in a tomb. The door of the tomb was opened by heaven and God called him out. The Son of God rose again from the dead, showing that he had authority over the powers of darkness, showing that nothing could hold him back. And Jesus then appeared to his disciples. Now we're going to read a few scriptures together. And this first scripture from Luke 24 talks very much about Jesus meeting with his disciples. So it's going to come up on the screen, we can read it to you. While they were still talking about this, this is Jesus had appeared to the two disciples on the Emmaus Road and he'd been talking to them about the things that had happened, or rather they said, do you know what's happened? And they said, and he said, no, I don't know what's been going on. And then he starts to have an interaction with them about, about himself. But they didn't realize that it was Jesus. And then after a while, Jesus revealed himself to them. They were just like, wow, we've met with Jesus. He is alive. And they go back to the other disciples, and they start telling them everything about it. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Well, that's because we thought you were dead, but now you're alive, and now you're here, and you've come through a locked door. There's lots of reasons why they were thinking those things, in actual fact. But he says to them, Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. This moment, you you can't hardly imagine this moment. Talk about you couldn't hear a pin drop. There was just electricity in that room. This Jesus has come alive just as he said he would. And he's there with them. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. I'm not an apparition. A ghost, he says, does not have flesh and bones as you can see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he said to them, do you have anything to eat? Jesus is getting very like, guys, let's calm this atmosphere down. I'm hungry. Have you got anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, 
This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. What a moment that must have been. All of that stuff that Jesus had been telling them about that they didn't understand, now he was saying, hey guys, this is what I was talking about. You can imagine, wow, now we know. That's amazing. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So Jesus was saying, well, he had said, it is finished. His mission's accomplished. Now he's come back, and now he's talking to his disciples and preparing them for the work that he is saying that he has for them to do. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in Jesus' name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. There he is telling the disciples the work that he has for them to do. And again, well, we know that actually when he's saying wait in Jerusalem, he's talking about what we know is the day of Pentecost, which is yet to come. So Jesus is going to talk with them for another few days and then he's going to ascend into heaven and they're going to wait for that day of Pentecost and that day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, when actually the work of going out into Jerusalem really starts. Here's another scripture for you, Mark 16, where again Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And again in Matthew 24, again speaking his disciples, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And finally, Matthew 28, which is probably one that's most familiar to people, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, in, in, in the, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' mission had finished, but the mission of the church was starting. The mission that God had for his people was starting. He was sending them out. This is what you need to do. You need to go and to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, talking about the salvation that is available for all mankind through what I have done for them on the cross. This is your mission, to go and tell all people. And we here at Bromley Town Church are about that great work, even so today. It's come from Jerusalem, and now it is going to the ends of the earth. Bromley being part of the ends of the earth, as it were. We want to declare this gospel to every nation. That's not just the nation of boundaries that we see as land masses, but nations can be described as people groupings. So it's every people grouping, the people who work in your office, that is a nation of those who work in that office. The people who go to the school that your kids go to, they are a nation there. We want to reach every people group with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what we are seeking to do. There is an urgency about it because we are preaching this gospel until Jesus returns again. 
And so there is a sense of urgency about the mission that we are on as a church. And this mission of taking the gospel out is the mission of the church. So we've established, if you like, that Jesus had his mission and now he has commissioned the church to go about the mission that they have. But I want us to ask a few questions really to unpack what we're looking at this morning. The first question I want to ask, which may seem a silly question, is this. What is the church? What is the church? Who are the church? What is the church, if you like, is the question we're asking. Now, the church is this. The church is the community of all true believers for all time. The church is the community of all true believers of all time. That is saying, like, down through all the generations, those who have believed before us in Jesus Christ, those who have been true believers of past generations, those that have died, they are also part of the church, just as we are part of the church. The church is the community, the gathering together of the people who truly believe in the saving work of Jesus Christ. That is what the church would say. Now, many of us would say, well, and I would even say, there is a sense in which the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. That was the day, as I say, when the Holy Spirit came and Peter stood up before the crowd and he started to explain, look, these men who seem to be speaking in other languages, they're not drunk as you suppose, but this is what God has promised. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and he went on to talk to people about what had happened to Jesus and how they need to repent of their sins. And on that day, some 3,000 men and women were gathered in to be part of the community of believers who were believing in Jesus Christ for salvation. They were part of the church. And we look at that as being the birthday of the church. But actually, when we understand that the church is the gathering, the assembly of the people of God, then we see that the church has been in existence way, way back since the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Because when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they gathered at Mount Sinai, it says there in in Deuteronomy that Moses assembled, Moses gathered together the people. And the Hebrew word that is used there is translated in Greek as the same word that is used for the church. So when you see the word church being mentioned in the Greek in the New Testament, you look at that, it's the word ecclesia. And so that Hebrew word that was for the gathering together is the same Greek word that we would use for the church. So there is a sense in which Israel, when they were there gathered before God at Mount Sinai, they were the church then. Because what is the church? The church is the gathering together of the true believers of God over all time. That is what the church is. So the church is this community of believers in Jesus Christ. Here's a second question. Talking about the church, but now we're going to ask this question. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God. Now, I don't know what you would say, but the kingdom of God is described as this. The kingdom of God is the place where God rules, where God reigns, where his laws and his commands are fully obeyed. That is where his kingdom comes. Now, the kingdom is is a difficult one. The the Bible talks a lot about the kingdom. I've got a theologian's quote here, which I'm going to read to you. 
and then I'll translate it so that we can understand what it says. What is the difference? This is talking about what is the difference between the kingdom of God and the church. And a theologian called George Eldon Ladd wrote this. The kingdom is primarily the dynamic reign or kingly rule of God and derivatively the sphere in which the rule is experienced. As a biblical expression, the kingdom is not identified with its subjects. They are the people of God's rule who enter into it, live under it, and are governed by it. The church is the community of the kingdom, but not the kingdom itself. Jesus' disciples belong to the kingdom as the kingdom belongs to them, but they are not the kingdom. The kingdom is the rule of God, The church is a society of men. Now, let's just help us to understand that. What we're saying is the kingdom is a dynamic thing. The kingdom of God comes when people do what God wants. So when we love others, as God has told us to do, that is an expression of the kingdom of God because it's God's rule that is happening through mankind. We've got to understand the whole history of things. Don't forget man... The kingdom of God was on earth because Adam and Eve were doing everything that God wanted them to do. They were living under God's laws, under his commands, and therefore the kingdom of God was on earth. But what happened when they stopped doing what God wanted? They allowed the rule of earth to go over to Satan. And that was a problem because now the earth was being ruled Through Satan. Satan was having influence over human beings. And God, of course, he is the one who said that it is through humans, or he's given the task of ruling over the earth through humans. So God has got to operate through human beings. And that, of course, is why Jesus came as a human being. He came to earth, and what did he do? He lived completely under God's rule. He was a man of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom came through him, why? Because God's rules and laws, the way God wanted life to be transacted, is what flowed through Jesus. And it's the same thing for us. You see, the church is a gathering together of human beings. But guess what? When those human beings surrender themselves to God, when those human beings live in the way that God wants them to do, what happens? His kingdom comes amongst them. And therefore, you see, in the church, the gathering together of God's people, when God's people do what God wants, the kingdom comes. But now, this is why we can have churches that seem to be alive, or churches that seem to be dead. Because they can be called a church, because they are the gathering of, it's a human gathering, it's a society of men and women. But when that group of people actually live the way God wants, his kingdom can come. And it's the kingdom that makes the difference here upon the earth. Because the kingdom is the rule of heaven that is coming down to earth. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, when he comes, he will bring conviction of sin. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. When he comes, he, will, he does not speak of his own, but he speaks of what he has heard. Because he takes of the things of heaven and makes them known to you. You see, he is an agent of the kingdom of God because the Holy Spirit is bringing the presence of heaven through human people 
into the earth. Now listen, can you hear the power of this? When you go into your office, into your shop, into your school, or wherever you're going tomorrow, the people that you're interacting with over the phone or even via email, those people that you have day-to-day life with, when you are treating them in the way that God wants you to treat them, that you love them, that you forgive them, that you overlook their wrongs, when you treat them the way that God wants you to treat them, do you know what's happening to them? The kingdom of God is coming to them. The kingdom of God is coming. So we can see this, and this is why it's so important for us to listen about living a holy life, to think about the things of the Word of God. If we're not reading this book, we don't know what God is saying. We don't know what His laws and His command are. We don't know His heart. So it's not just, oh, do I need to read the Bible? Absolutely you need to read the Bible because this Bible teaches us about heaven and it teaches us about the ways of God so that when we can live or when we are living, wherever it is, whether it's in our family with our husband or our wife or our children, whether it's in our workplace or whether it is in this building, which is called a church, but of course it's not a church because this building doesn't count for anything because the building doesn't do anything for the kingdom. But the people do, because it is through us, the gathered together ones, the community of God's people who truly love him, we become the church, and when we do what God wants, the kingdom of God comes amongst us. Jesus, it was said, when he was, he was, there was this confrontation with him when he was driving out demons, and people were saying, or the Pharisees were saying, you drive out demons by Beelzebub. You do it under the power of Satan. And he says, well, that's ridiculous. If I'm doing it under the power of Satan, then his kingdom is divided. But if I drive out demons, let me tell you, by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. Of course it has. Because it is the power of heaven coming down through human beings into the earth to bring the rule of God. What is God's purpose? To destroy the works of the enemy to see an overthrow of the powers of darkness, that this earth may be given to him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but somebody is on this territory trying to produce his own results. That someone is Satan and the people of God are here to surrender to the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God may come and that the glory of God may once again possess the earth. The devil is the defeated foe and there will come a time when he will be sent to his just deserts. The kingdom of God, if we can really understand this, it helps us to live our lives. The kingdom of God doesn't just come because you come into a building on a Sunday. The kingdom of God comes when you surrender to God's terms, when you live his way. So the kingdom of God comes in your family in the midst of an argument when you realize, I'm not behaving the way that I need to. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. The kingdom of God comes because you're releasing forgiveness. You're choosing to love, not to hate. And it comes into your workplaces. So this is like, you know, you thought you had to preach the gospel. No, you need to live the gospel. You need to live the gospel because that is powerful. People know when they're being loved. Sometimes people don't like it when we live kingdom ways, but it has an effect because the kingdom is the place where God rules. It's his reign. 
And you can understand how these terms, they all get muddled up, don't they? We talk of the kingdom of God as being the church. But it's only the church when the people who make up the church obey what God wants us to do. Because otherwise we're living in disobedience to the word of God and to the ways of God. I'm not saying that God isn't gracious. In fact, God is unbelievably gracious. When I look at the state of my life, you think, like, okay, I'm supposed to be living God's ways, and I try, but I also fail in many times. You, you know those times when you know that there's a line, and I don't need to say this, but suddenly you find you have said that, and you've, you're crossed over the line, and you can't go back without saying you're sorry. We do those things often, because we're still learning. Incidentally, that's why there's no perfect church. How can there be a perfect church when the church is full of people who are being made holy? The church can only ultimately be perfect when everybody has been made perfect. So if you're looking for a perfect church, as the pastor here, I have bad news. This is perfect from this point of view. It's full of imperfect people who are being made perfect by Jesus Christ. And as long as we keep it like that, as long as we remember that, because what do we need to do as the people of God? We're supposed to extend grace to one another. We're supposed to be living examples here of how God has treated us, and we need to treat others the same way. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, I've probably gone a little bit off cue. What did I say? We had, what is the church? The church is the community of all true believers for all time. Of course, I'm saying about true believers. You know that there are those who just come to church. There are people who just come along because they enjoy the atmosphere, they enjoy the songs, they enjoy it, but they've never surrendered themselves to God. True believers are those who say, Jesus, my life does not belong to me. You have purchased me on that cross. I belong to you. A true believer is living. A true believer is not a perfect person. Let me just say, people being baptized next week, they're believers, not perfect people. Okay? So often we get to a point where I will get baptized when I'm a perfect person. Right, well, you're not getting baptized until you go to heaven. In fact, afterwards, and there's no baptism there, so there's problems. People get baptized because they said, I've given my life to Jesus. And it's like, wow, have I got it all right? I don't know much. You don't know much about anything. You hardly know Jesus, but you're on the right road and you're making a good start. And you know what Jesus says? This is the way. I want you to walk in it. So if you're, if you're wondering about, should I be baptized? Am I a believer? I know that I have put my faith in Jesus. I don't know everything about him, but the word of God says, believe and be baptized. So again, you want the kingdom to come? You want the kingdom of God to come in your life? Do what it says. Believe. I've started that. Right, now get baptized. That's an example of allowing the kingdom to come. Because you're doing what God has asked you to do. There's loads and loads of other things we can say, this is what God's asked us to do, but we're not going to look at everyone in case there's some that we're not actually doing at the moment, but we want to keep pressing in. Um, something about the church, something about the kingdom of God, the example of Israel. Let's jump. Let's go on to the example of Israel. Why do I want to talk about the example of Israel? Because again, it helps us to understand what God has been doing. God didn't just suddenly win I've got an idea. Let's create a nation called Israel. I haven't thought of that before, so let's just do it. Now, God had a perfect plan that he was working out. 
God wants to bring his kingdom and his rule upon the earth. How can he do it? He decides to get hold of one man who is living in the back of beyond, and he says, I want you, Abraham, to leave your nation, to leave your people, to leave your father's house and to come to a place where I want to show you. And he took this man and his wife, who was unable to bear children, and he says to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. That's how it starts. God's a nutter. I mean, you know, what, if you want to produce a nation and you're going to do it, why do you pick somebody who can't bear children? Why do you wait until they have passed the age of bearing children? Because God wants to show that it's all about his power and his authority and it's his idea and he's the only one who could possibly do it and it's beyond human means. That's why he does those things. So he has Abraham and they eventually have a son through his uh, wife, Sarah, and Isaac is born, the child of promise. What God had promised has come to pass. And then we go on through Isaac and Jacob, and then eventually Jacob has all of these sons, 12 sons, and then Joseph being one of them, and they all go off into Egypt, and then we all hear about this people, the Hebrews who are in Egypt, who are being oppressed. But they're called the Israelites. And eventually God, through the work of Moses, brings them out of Egypt, and they come before God at Mount Sinai, and they are known as the, the Israel. They're known as the people of Israel. And it's at Mount Sinai that they receive the way for a nation to meet. The law of God is revealed to them. So that's why Sinai is such an important time. It come, now God is saying to them, now I've created you to be a nation, and I'm going to tell you how a nation should behave itself. So he delivers his laws and his instructions to this nation. And it's for one purpose, that every other nation that is in existence can have an example to look towards. And so Israel is called to be a nation under God, God's nation, that through this nation, every other nation might come to faith. That they might see the way that they live, that they might experience that. Now, because you're dealing with an imperfect people, there are imperfect things that happen to Israel. And we see that God treats them in a harsh way. He takes them out of their land. He says, if you're going to misbehave, if you're going to continue to do the things that other people do, in other words, not live according to my ways, in other words, not allowing my kingdom to come and be displayed through you, then you're not going to be in that land. And he takes them off to Babylon. And it's because of their inherent sin that he eventually needs to send his son to deal with the issue of sin in mankind once and for all. And of course we have Israel, through Israel comes our saviour, Jesus Christ. And then Jesus comes. And Jesus obviously completely finishes the task that was set before him. And then he leaves the task now to his disciples, to the church, to the community of those people who believe in God. Now, incidentally, that doesn't mean to say that Israel is completely forgotten about and overruled, because it says that when the, tr the total number of the Gentiles has been brought in, then all Israel will be saved. So there is still a purpose for the people of, uh, people of God, for Israelites, 
but this is the age of the church. It's the age of when God's work is going right across the nations. And we see, therefore, in the example of Israel, what God wants to do through a people. God has always wanted a people who belong to him, through whom he can display heaven upon earth. That was through the nation of Israel. Right now, it is through the community of people who believe in Jesus Christ. And that is called the church. It is through them. So there's an example that's been given to us, which is very important for us to understand and to look at. Okay, let's move on to the role of the church. And uh, we'll just finish up with this today. So what is the church? The church is the community of all true believers for all time, whose task is to see the kingdom of God established upon the earth, the rule of God, if you like, come through us. We've said already, the church is not the building. We, we, me, you, all of us associate church being in this building. This is just an association that we have. Let's, Let's be honest, let's not try to pretend we do, but let's also speak the truth into our souls this morning The church is us. The church is us. And so when we, as the community of God's people, gather together to see his kingdom come, then we are being the real church, and we could be meeting anywhere. You see, so often we we have small groups, small house churches, so we meet as a few believers in a house. They do this not only in this country, but around the world, sometimes because it's the only place you can safely meet You're meeting in somebody's house. Well, is that a real church? Yes, it is. Why is it a real church? Because it is the gathering together of the people who are true believers in God. And when they come and they do what God wants them to do, his kingdom comes amongst them. So that is why if you're, dare I say it, in church, no, we are being church here this morning. You go and have a cup of coffee with two or three others in a coffee bar around there, that is a gathering of true believers. And when you start to talk about the things of God and you start opening your heart, the kingdom of God comes into your conversation. And that is church there. So when you are in your office and you're talking with another believer, oh, but he's a Methodist, or he goes to the Church of England, so they're not from the same denomination, as it were. You know, how can we be? You are church together when you are loving Jesus Christ, when you are bringing the kingdom in through the things that you are doing. Church comes into your office. But you see, we set with our mindsets, this is church. Now, it's important that we become a community who know that we belong together and we work together and we feel together and we support together. That's very, very important. But let's not lose the dynamic of what church is as well. And I love it because that, I I now realize there's times when I'm having a coffee with a friend and we're just talking about the things of God and his presence comes. That is the church, the real church that's coming and being and supporting and encouraging each other. Now, I am not suggesting that next Sunday everybody decides to go to Nero or Costa, okay? Because, because what am I talking about? I'm talking about the role of the church, aren't I? So, <laughs> the role of the church is many things. Just before I get to that, I've said that we're not a perfect church. There is no perfect church because we are an imperfect people. 
But you know what? I also need to say this. You need to be part of the church. If you're a true believer in Jesus Christ and you want to see the kingdom of God come, then you need to be part of a church. And we believe, you know we have this challenge here where we challenge people to say, hey look, if you're here for the first time, we wanted to come back for another three times, four in total, so you can just experience us as a church. That's about this fundamental thing that we believe you need to be planted somewhere. This isn't the only place. There are other fellowships in Bromley that are doing a great job and they've got great pastors and great people. You may feel more at home among those people. Well, great, because together, all of those communities are the church in Bromley. When we were gathering on Good Friday for our March of Witness, there's always a, I get involved in these debates with other people. What's it for? I'll tell you what it's for. It's the church coming together to declare the kingdom together in Bromley. That's what it's about. You've got 500 people coming together and they're proclaiming over Bromley, blessing. We want to bless our town. That is the kingdom of God coming into the center of Bromley, bringing change in the spiritual atmosphere. It's a powerful thing. So, but they are from this church or they are from that. They are from that community of believers who are the church and together we are the church. We are not the only church in Bromley. We are part of his church in, the, in this area. But we gather as a people in this particular building often to worship together. That's true. Um, it, there's lots of reasons, you know, why people don't get planted in churches. Because sometimes it's just to do with indiscipline. I haven't got the time. I haven't made the time. I've got loads of excuses. It doesn't fit in. Listen. Sundays is the Lord's Day. Now, this is a sermon in itself that we need to talk about. And I don't want to go through a list of what you can and can't do. The object of the Sabbath day is a day that is holy unto the Lord. It's a day when actually we're not about every other task, but one task that we can be about today is to focus our attention upon who our God is and how good he is and what he has done for us to help us through the rest of the week. It's a time that is set apart, and therefore we do need to have some time set apart specifically for coming before God. Some people don't get planted in churches because they've been in church before and they got hurt. And I understand that. That's because church is full of human beings that say and do stupid things. And sometimes those things are far from the kingdom of God. There is unforgiveness. There's words that are nasty. There's words and phrases that people use and there's attitudes and behaviours that people have that to a degree that are inside all of us because there's flesh inside of us. And so I can understand that people get hurt. But you know what? We can't hold on to hurt. We need to find God to have release from our hurts because God has a purpose for each one of us. He has called and chosen us to be part of his glorious people on the earth to bring his kingdom into the earth. There is a role that we have to play. Sometimes we can't find that role, or we find it difficult to find that role, but there is a role for us to play, and we need to be in, involved in that. So sometimes it's because we are still carrying offense, we're carrying woundedness, that we find it difficult to be planted in a church. You need to be planted. A seedling gets planted into a pot, and then it gets planted into a bigger plot so that its root system can grow and it can produce a lot of fruit. 
That's what happens just with plants. And the same thing has happened for us. When we are planted, when we are planted, and you know what? You can be in this church, but don't feel like you belong to this church. That is this community of people. And so we want to pray that God would really help you to belong to us here. That we can share in your lives. Do you know what? Sometimes what stops us is our, are the wounds of our hearts. We just don't want to open up. Because if people see who I am, they won't like me. Listen, Jesus has already seen who you are. And he loves you. And we're trying to be like Jesus and we're learning to love each other. We're learning to love each other. But we want people to be rooted and to find their place in this, in this community of believers. The role of the church. I've got three points and we're going to go through them in five minutes. Here they are. The role of the church, number one, ministry to God. That is that we're here to worship him. We're here to worship him. Sometimes we don't have long enough on a Sunday morning, but we're here to worship him, to adore him, to declare his name, to announce his fame, to tell of what he has done, to give testimony of his goodness. We are here to acknowledge that he alone is God and that he is most worthy of our praise. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's what we're here to do. The role of the church is its ministry to God, which is worship. We want to minister to God. Worship is not a preparation for something else. Worship has an end in itself. It is to glorify him. It's to glorify who he is. So there's a purpose in ministering to God. I am here because you love me. I am here because you are good. I am here because you have saved me. I bless you for who you are. The ministry that we have, the role that we have as a church is to minister to God, to worship him. Second role that we have is not just to minister to God, but to minister to believers. To disciple, to nurture, to encourage. We want to minister to each other. We want to encourage each other. Encouragement is really the fundamental thing that we're here for. Hebrews 10 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Do you see that? So often it can be said, or that feeling comes like, oh, they won't miss me. I won't go this morning. I'm not going to be missed. You know, nobody ever talks to me. I'm not. It's so, so wrong. You are a vital part of the community. There may be working through the way you interact with other people, the way you fit the way we fit with you, learning about each other, just as there is in any relationship. But you have a part to play, and we need every part, everybody to be part of that, to come amongst us, to feel at home with us. Sometimes there's people, friends, that you, sometimes you say, like, I've had a friend for 10 years, and you look back, well, when did you meet that friend? And you suddenly find, you know, well, it was, we had a few difficulties at work, or, you know, we, we struggled with each other. I remember when I met my wife, started off by arguing with her. 
Now I'm trying to, uh, well, I do love her. And I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I love her. Be careful what I say. No, I don't. I'm in church, and the kingdom of God is forgiveness. So Helen is forgiving me. Praise the Lord. Now, what I'm saying is this, is when we start relationships, you know, sometimes you say, I've had this friend for ages and ages. Yeah, but you, the relationship grows. The relationship goes through difficulties and trials and ups and downs as we get to know somebody, as we learn what they are like. That's normal. So why do we expect everything to be different just by somebody coming in who we don't know, we don't know anything about them? Learn to love. We're here to learn to love each other. The primary role that we have is we may come here to worship, but we come here to encourage each other. I want to ask you, are you really having spiritual conversations? I was blessed yesterday morning, after the prayer meeting, we had a coffee uh, in Costa, no, it wasn't Costa, where was it? Pret, in Pret's. And I was just talking to a couple of people over the table, and our conversation wasn't just about oh, what we've been doing this week. Our conversation was some of the things that we've been reading in the scripture. We were talking about what we've actually been reading in the, in the prayer meeting, about Elijah. As we're talking about the story of Elijah, you could feel our hearts were being strangely warmed because our conversations were about the things of God. And we're talking about the things of God. We're opening up, and this is what I've heard, this is what I've seen, this is what I feel, this is, and suddenly you find, wow, this is beneficial because it's the kingdom of God coming amongst us. It strengthens our hearts. You get encouragement. When you are encouraged, you have the strength to go back and to face the situations that you may be facing outside of this place. What army just sends out its soldiers as individuals. Right, we've got a battle now. Go out one by one. You don't do that, do you? You have an army and you send them out ranks. You send them out in their whatever's they're called. You send them out in lots, hundreds, <laughs> many. Thank you. Thank you, John. Battalion, somebody's listening at the front here, helping out. You send them out. We as the people of God are fighting a major battle. The enemy... Satan controls the earth and he doesn't want God's kingdom to come. But we are the agents of the kingdom. And our task is to bring the kingdom down to earth. And therefore we're involved, every one of us is involved in that battle. Sometimes we feel it, sometimes we don't, aren't even aware of it, but the battle is raging. And therefore we need to encourage each other daily, especially as we see those end times coming towards us, that we encourage each other to keep pressing on. Come on, you can do it. You can make it. You can forgive. I'll stand with you. I'll pray with you. We're standing as a community of people ministering to one another. That is the role of the church. So let's not just come to sit and to sing and to hear and to go, but let's come to be with the community of God's people. Let's come to encourage the community of God's people. Let's come to have conversations about the things of God with each other. Let's open our hearts to each other that truly his kingdom may come amongst us. Thirdly and finally, we have the ministry to the world. Ministry to God, ministry to believers, ministry to the world. And in one sense, I don't need to say too much about that. Ministry to the world is saying, listen, we have something that you need to hear. Jesus came because he loves us. Because he wants to put right our sins and our wrongs. And it's by faith in Jesus Christ alone that we can find forgiveness of sins and an entry 
into being part of his church and to experiencing the kingdom of God. Let's stand together. Let me ask you some questions this morning as we're just doing as we're preparing ourselves to sing. Do you believe and yet not belong? Let me encourage you to start thinking about where you're going to belong. Whether it's here, well, praise God, we love people joining us here. But we're not the only church. Do you not belong somewhere because you've been hurt? There has to come a time when you've got to draw a line under it and you've got to move forward. That's forgiving, releasing, receiving prayer, receiving help. Yes, maybe. But something has to happen because there's a purpose on your life and we don't want the enemy to stop you any longer. Do you belong to a church but not contribute? Are you here each week but you're not really paying any role in the working of the community? It's not everybody's going to get up the front and give notices or whatever, but there's loads of other roles that we have. And we want people to be involved to strengthen the body of Christ so that together we can do a lot. Maybe you do belong, but maybe you don't live. Living for the kingdom of God means that we're surrendering to God and we're doing his will amongst us. Let's sing together.